Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome, everyone, to SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. Thank you so much for listening. We have a great show this week. We have two guests. Greg McElroy, who was just promoted to ESPN's number two booth for college football. He'll be working with Sean McDonough, calling a national championship playoff game this season. Comes on to talk about the upcoming college football season, get into his broadcasting career, stuff with Alabama, sleeper team, sleeper quarterback, new rule changes. So we do all that with Greg. And then comedian Jared Freed, who has a Netflix special out called 37 and Single, joins the pod to discuss life as a comedian, shaping his act. He's a big sports fan. Talk about if Bill Belichick is funny and uh, the business of being a stand-up comedian, working with Netflix and stuff like that. No Sal this week. He's off for the Labor Day holiday weekend. He'll be back next week as we kick off the NFL season. And uh, obviously, last week, Charles Barkley was on the podcast. The feedback on that was tremendous. You guys couldn't have been nicer. Really appreciate it. I will get in depth on the Charles Barkley podcast next week when Sal is back because there's a lot to discuss there. But really appreciate all you guys listening and the nice feedback. Also, Peter Schrager and Chris Russo were on in recent weeks. So if you missed any of those episodes, go into the archives, check them out, subscribe to SI Media with Jimmy Trena, and leave a review on Apple. We're going to read them next week. All right. Greg McElroy from ESPN on College Football, followed by comedian Jared Freed, all right here, right now on SI Media with Jimmy Trina. All right, joining me now, he is the new number two analyst for ABC's PN's college football coverage this year. I'll be working with Sean McDonough, replacing Todd Blackledge, who's off to NBC, former Alabama quarterback, Greg McElroy. Greg, how's it going? Congrats on the new gig. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I'm glad to be with you guys. I've listened for a while. You guys, between all the media podcasts, always enjoy how you guys cover 
cover the world. And before I even got into it, I was into it. So it's like this, it's addictive, right? It's addictive, the sports media world, but you guys do an amazing job. So happy to be joined with y'all. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And um, I mentioned you're going to be working with Sean McDonough this year. Sean, I'm a big fan of Sean. I've had him on this podcast. We we had some fun with his famous voice cracks. Uh, Tell me about working with, you know, Sean, who's done this for so long, has done every sport. Uh, he's done World Series. He's done the NFL. He, obviously, uh, icon on college football. Tell me about this season going into it with Sean McDonough on ESPN. Well, I'm I'm really excited. I think Sean is just phenomenal. I mean, he's just a complete legend. And in some ways, you know, I when you're playing or when you're watching as a fan, at least for me, I was almost oblivious to to the the names and the and the faces that were on television of course i grew up with you know watching nfl football as a diehard cowboy fan so i was you know pat summerall and and listen al michaels and and all the others that have kind of graced the television screen but i i recognized voices before i recognized names and as soon as i became more aware of this side of the game broadcast as soon as I heard Sean McDonald, I was like, oh my gosh, I've been listening to him my whole life. You know, so yeah. to be able to, I've only done one game with him, and it was the national championship game in we did the radio call. Uh 2021 would have been the year. And it was Alabama against Ohio State. And I was nervous wreck. I mean, I'm going and working with a guy that I've been listening to for 20 years, 25 years, knowingly. Um and I, I just, I'm like, oh, this guy's a legend. <laughs> you know, like I just, just want to get yeah. out of his way. Like I just don't want to mess this up because I have aspirations. Maybe one day down the road, working with him, and uh, he couldn't have been more gracious. He couldn't have been more understanding. I was a little anxious. I'd never been on a call for a game of that magnitude uh, either, um, as far as the radio is concerned. But he, he was amazing, and I'm just so grateful to to him uh, and and him welcoming onto the team and they've been together for a long time. And look, Todd Blackledge, I've said this for a long time. I think he's the best, the best guy doing what we do. I I think he's just amazing. And, uh, I've always looked up to him. Uh, I've always really admired how he calls the game. Uh, and I've always appreciated very much, uh, all the things that, that he kind of interjects into the game and, and just the perspective that he brings. So replacing him is is an impossible feat, but I'm going to do the very best that I possibly can. And it's a big promotion because the number two team, which is which is you and Sean, gets to call one of the playoff games around New Year's when that takes place uh, on TV. So it's a big assignment. You guys, uh, I should have mentioned at the top, you have North Carolina, South Carolina for week one and your first game together uh, for the season. We talked about Sean, you're coming off a season where you work with Joe Tess, who also in college football circles is one of those guys that viewers and fans are big, big fans of because of his exciting ways. Uh, Tell me, you know, now that you're moving on here, what it was like working with Joe Tessitor in the past? Well, I've been really lucky. Um, Look, Joe and and Dave Pash, who I was with prior to that, are – Two of my best friends, uh, Dave Pash is like my older brother. Like I didn't know anything about anything <laughs> as it comes to calling a game. If not for Dave Pash and Brian Ryder, uh, I would not at all ever be in a position to have found any level of success in this profession. But they really showed me the ropes and took me under their wing. And then three years ago, I was fortunate to to be aligned with Joe. And what I love so much about Joe is the passion and energy that he calls the game with. He lives that 
way all the time. I mean, the guy's bouncing off the walls in the booth in the pregame, uh, hitting me, talking two, three times a day on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and our week leading up as far as prep is concerned. Like, he consumes college football 24-7, 365. I mean, every podcast I do, he's listening, has comments, has critiques, has has his own opinions that he wants to weigh in. I mean, he is just an all-knowing consumer. Um, so it was a blast to work with him and we've developed such a close relationship. I, I love Joe and I, I love Dave and and I love uh, Scotty Matthews, our producer last year, who is just an amazing, amazing person. And Kim Belton, who worked with us a few years back as well. So I've been really, really lucky to be around people that taught me to do it the way I think is the right way. I, everyone's got their own way of preparing for a game. Everyone has their own way of calling a game and when to when to speak, when to lay out. But I've been very fortunate to have been surrounded by very talented people that have helped me understand the dynamic of how to present a game uh, and have had great, great truck support as well to, to kind of help me figure out the best way to plan a review or a replay sequence or maybe do some art or some telestrations, things of that nature. So whether it's Joe or the, or the truck the last few years with Scotty and Jeff for uh, Dave and Ryder and Ryder, of course, can be doing some Monday night football games now. So super pumped for him. Um, I've just been very, very lucky and, and very, very fortunate. I think Dave Pash is the most underrated play-by-play guy in He's sports. phenomenal. He's he phenomenal. I and I love hearing that Joe Tess is wacky even when the mics are off before a game. I, lo- I love hearing that, that, you know, it's the same energy. Let me get, I just want to be clear about something because I've, I've messed up with math before on this podcast. I, I once called Roman Reigns 43 when he was 33, which I still, so I want, <laughs> you're 35. I am. Yes. And you've been doing games for nine years. This is year eight. Yes. Year I've been eight. See, I told you is, I would mess it up. Okay. No, that was pretty close to be honest. I've said seven, so I've messed it up. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's it's my, almost my ultimate, hard once you get going. Yeah, my <laughs> ultimate point is you started doing TV at 27, which yeah. is pretty young. I think what, what, what do you remember back? When, I mean, when you started out, how raw were you? How green were you? Did it take you a long time to get? I mean, because I think 27 right. is pretty young to be doing TV. Well, it's it's really young when your NFL career is a dud. Uh, but I feel like you know I uh, didn't play as long in the league as I would have liked. Um, if I could have started at thirty three after ten years in the show, I would have been perfectly okay with that as well. Um, but I knew very quickly when I was wrapping things up in the league, I probably could have grinded out a couple more, perhaps. But I was kind of looking at through the prism of I can start my next life now with the launch of the SEC network and be aligned. Uh, with a company at ESPN that I knew would cultivate and and help us figure out how to do television. Uh, It was the right time to go. I was still under contract with the Bengals when I agreed in principle with ESPN and inevitably was in studio at first, which I thought was a really good way to kind of get my feet wet and understand just kind of the nuance of television lingo, how to read a rundown, uh, how to do the telestrator in the studio in a more of a controlled setting. So if we busted something, it's like, well, let's re-rack it. Let's go. You know, so that was mm. comforting in in figuring out your cadence and your tone. The following year, called a game that year, but it was Lamar against Texas AM, a very forgettable game, Jimmy. If you didn't watch that one, I'm not sure how you I'm, missed it. Well, I'm uh, I'm a better, so I'm sure the line was about 50. <laughs> so that'll that's well, all I need to know if it was that matchup. Uh, 
I think you could have laid the points comfortably and come away a winner in in that one. It got a little sideways. Um, Then the following year kind of had the perfect blend of studio and game by doing the SEC Nation show uh, with Joe Tess, uh, I might add. So already developed a bit of a rapport with him and kind of got to feel the energy of the crowd and the fact that, yes, it's structured to an extent, but you also kind of have to play to the audience some a little bit like doing a game. It was almost the perfect blend. And then in 2016, after a couple of games that I did in 2015, that's when I was given my first booth uh, alongside Dave Pash. And I remember right out of the gate, our first game was Houston and Oklahoma. It was like number 11 against number four. And I was a nervous wreck. I mean, just a complete, I'm like, I'm going to, if I screw this up, it's last year of my deal. Like I'll just be out and, you know, go do whatever it is I need to do. So I was a wreck and was very nervous how long did it take you to get comfortable? Um, uh, last year, maybe. <laughs> really? For real? I have I have butterflies before the game that are very comparable to when I played. Um, still get them. Will always get them probably. And I hope I do because that's part of what I love so much about doing this job is that it is as close to being in the action, as close to being a coach, as close to being a player as any other profession. Uh, in the industry. So I really enjoy it, but it probably took me, I was remarkably overprepared as far as my week of prep was concerned, all consuming, totally dialed in. I knew everything you need to know about the backup snapper, you know, to the point where it's like, this is just, I'm I'm getting 2% of my pregame prep into the show. And it was almost, it weighed me down some, and I was trying to force things in. So I scaled back a lot over the course of a couple of years to the point where I could be more efficient with my preparation, understand the things that I write down and notes that I take, what's going to make air, what might not, what will benefit and allow me to have strong opinions on the air, even though it it might not necessarily come out exactly as I write it down. I'll, I'll have a better fundamental understanding of what this team does and why they do it. Uh, so I would say as far as my week of prep is concerned, it took me three years probably and then to get really, really comfortable and just having my voice and knowing when to go, when to lay out, when to allow the crowd to speak on your behalf, when to allow the players to speak on your behalf and to let my play-by-play guy really run with it. I would say probably the last three years is when I really started to hit a groove. I, I would think after playing for Nick Saban, you couldn't be nervous doing anything. <laughs> the thing about Nick Saban, though, is you're always nervous. Uh, right. I think Belichick is similar. If you are yeah. comfortable or if you are complacent if you will that's when that's when bad things happen so um i like to live on the edge a little bit <laughs> i think because of my college experience um and then playing for rex could not have been more the opposite rex ryan in new york who is as cool and as approachable and as laid back as they come uh very intense in some ways um but but really a, a great guy to also learn from so i've seen kind of opposite ends of the spectrum but as far right. as the way i approach my broadcast work it's really more kind of from the saban tree very regimented very detail oriented uh, very, I know exactly what I'm doing on Monday. You asked me at Monday at four twelve, what am I doing? I can tell you exactly what it is. I'm probably watching first and second down of the visiting mm-hmm. team. So, um, that's the way I've tried to approach it. Just use all the things I did as a player and apply it to my broadcast. And it's been really helpful to this point. But do you, do you feel like you can over prepare or is there no such thing? It's, it's a really good question. I personally, I can only step into the booth and put the headset on if I am over prepared. Um, I've never gone into a game feeling, man, I wish I would have watched a little more. I'd always watch as much as humanly possible. 
uh, in order to have a good understanding of all situations. Um, but I think I think if you overprepare too much and you feel forced to show off your preparation, that can be detrimental to the broadcast. Uh, just because you have it doesn't mean you have to use it is one thing that I've kind of had to learn. And that probably took a couple of years to iron out. Hey, man, I know you did all this work on third down, but there's only been two third downs in the game. Let's not force something in right here because we have it. Um, so I think over preparing is the only way I would ever approach it. But understanding that just because you overprepared, you don't necessarily have to jam something in to show off, you know, how hard you worked in the days and weeks leading up. So obviously you study, you scout, you played for Alabama. Give me a little synopsis here of, of what their season may look like. Obviously last year things didn't go how they wanted, but I think, I still think they're the most buzzed about team in the country. I feel like, and I, I guess Saban's a big factor in that, but sure. I feel like there's more interest in Alabama than it. And, and now I'm in New York where no one cares about college football really, but <laughs> so that's my perspective on it. Um, obviously, I, you know, I know about Clemson, Ohio state, Georgia's sure. got, a, maybe right. Georgia's has overtaken Alabama, but I still think in terms of buzz and what people talk about, it's still Alabama. Uh, it's weird to say bounce back season because it's not like they lost 10 games, <laughs> but what what's in store for your team in 2023? Well, I would maybe push back a hair on the New York side because having lived there for three years, we would frequent the Ainsworth when possible to go watch some Bama games. So I actually think New York, even though it doesn't maybe isn't like an around the clock coverage, uh, I, I do think it's it's a pretty cool melting pot where on Saturdays you go to your respective bar or your respective right. restaurant to watch your team. So I do think that's a really cool part of being a college fan in the city. Um, but I think Alabama and we're in a, in a weird place in college football where I really believe that culture can win. Uh, talent will always be the most important. There is no denying if you don't have players, you can't win big and you can't win championships, which ultimately for Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, the top teams in the sport, their goal is to win championships. Uh, getting to 10 wins, is is that an achievement? Yes, for some, but uh, not for those schools. And for Alabama, I really believe that this year's team's culture is excellent. Uh, having been around the program, gone to practice, spent time with Coach Saban, spent time with some of the players, there's a certain drive and energy that surrounds them that is just, it's just haven't seen it in a while. I think part of it's because everyone's telling them they're down, they're down, they're down. Then you look at their roster, their composite rankings as far as players on the team. They have technically, as far as if you're going off recruiting rankings, they have the most talented roster in America as far as depth and four stars and five stars. And it'd be like having a team full of first round picks. I mean, that's what, that's really what they are in, in a lot of ways. Um, but they've kind of lost that edge a little bit, whereas Georgia, the last two years, really had that edge and the talent. When you blend those together, special things really happen. So I think Alabama is going to look a lot more like the teams you saw at the beginning of the Saban era, a team that's going to lean on the run game, a team that's going to impose their will with their offensive line. They're massive along the offensive line, and they're going to be able to move people. So I think that's kind of going to be what it's be what it's going to be for them, and then their offense will hopefully take off as the season goes along with a quarterback that gets more experienced uh, as they move forward. But there's three guys gunning for that position right now as well. So I think Alabama has a really special season in store for them. I really do. But and there's there's a really a, an upper tier in college football, and I could see any of those teams in the upper tier getting it done this year. Now, will Saban? I got to check their odds on DraftKings after you just told me that. Is Saban. <laughs> um, 
Will he, is that something he's using like on a daily basis during practice? Like, you know, oh, everyone, George has won two years in a row. No one's picking you guys. You, you know, everyone's forgotten about Alabama. Is that, is he, is that, is he, is that his MO to use that as motivation? Well, back in the day, there really was, you know, a billboard material, right? I mean, it was like, hey, look at this. And our strength coach, Scott Cochran, would put it up and say, they, they think you stink. They think you're trash. You know, whatever it is. Coach Saban never talked about it, ever. He just doesn't subscribe to the idea that, hey, whatever you think on the outside, that's fine. Your opinion of us is none of our business. Uh, he preaches to the guys and did when we were there, continues to. If you do what you're supposed to do and do your job, every single play throughout the course of the game, the game's result, the scoreboard, will ultimately take care of itself because they're going to have better players than just about everybody they play. If they win, if there's a 70 snaps in the game and they win 37 of the 70, they're probably going to win the game as long as you know the other 33 aren't completely catastrophic in some ways. So that's his whole approach. It's called the process. Uh, he's, he's written about it. He's spoken about it. But if you play each individual play as if it has a life of its own, and you win as many of those plays as you can, the result will take care of itself, and you repeat that the following week and the week after that, and ultimately the season will take care of itself as well. So he doesn't really focus on on the outside noise. The players now with access to Twitter, Instagram, or X, what are we calling it now? I don't even know. Twitter, what I was it calling anymore. it Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Uh, it, the kids have access to it. They're not immune to it anymore. We could kind of live in a bit of a bubble back in 2009. Uh, it just wasn't as much a part of our culture. So uh, they made us probably a little more aware back in the day of what was being said, but now it's not necessary because you can find information wherever you want to find it. Bama is plus 600 to win the national title. Georgia's plus 220s. The, they have the second best odds, so it's not, I'm not sure they're getting dumped on that much, but th that's a big difference. Georgia plus 220, Alabama plus 600. So maybe they'll put that on the, I, I'm sure they don't want to, print out DraftKings and pull it on the <laughs> bulletin board, but they can do that. And, you know, um, I guess Saban was salty yesterday at his press conference uh, earlier this week because he was asked about depth charts or he just came out right out of the gate and started um, railing about media people wanting depth charts. And Paul Feinbaum called him a bully. Curious for your reaction of that on that. I, I don't know if I necessarily consider that Bully with the um, media, I should say, to, right, just to be clear. Yeah. Right. I think it's more every Nick Saban. Does he use the media to his advantage? Absolutely. Does he use messaging, uh, subconscious mes messaging to his team via the media and outlets? Absolutely. Um, you always know his message, though. And so I don't view it as a play towards the media whatsoever uh, because it's really non-consequential because all you have to do is you could put out a depth chart. Uh, Michigan's done it. Oregon's done it. Say, so here's your quarterbacks and you lift them in alphabetical order. It could be any of these three guys. Hey, here's your wide receivers. So here's your guys. Alphabetical order could be any of these guys. So there's a lot of teams that don't put out a depth chart. I've never really viewed that as a, as a way to kind of bully, if you will, to use Paul's word to bully those that are covering the team. I think more it's to send a message to the team that nothing at this point is established. There could be, as you approach week one, week two, week three, there could be a pecking order. There could be an opportunity. One guy might be prioritized, but that guy has not locked down that position indefinitely. And that was kind of the message. Now, they used to put out, they always put out a depth chart. Um, 
But I think he's really trying to create that internal competition on the roster this year, knowing that there are some doubts, there are some questions more so than usual. So I just view the way the team is being perceived this year as very different to the way they've been perceived in the last 10, 12 years or so. So I just don't know if I can necessarily compare this season to the other seasons in an apples to apples manner. I think this year is very different. And I think he's trying to use that a little bit within his locker room to create constant competition and a little bit of an edge, knowing that you might have it right now, but it doesn't mean that you're going to have it going forward. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot. It sounds like fine, but have more of an issue of Saban talking down to the media um, than the actual depth chart stuff. But I would assume that's, calculated on his part or am i wrong well i i would have to listen to the press conference in its entirety and, yeah. and full disclosure jimmy i just haven't done it i've been prepping our yeah, game yeah. And, and trying to get going um i've never gotten the sense though even as a member of the media that that he is trying to talk down to anybody is he trying to control the narrative absolutely uh there is no denying that he's always going to try to control the narrative he's always going to try to make sure his team here's the message within the words that he uses. He's very, very calculated. And everything he does is for a reason. Um, I don't necessarily always know what that reason is, uh, but I would imagine the guys in the locker room at the time in which he's taken the podium know exactly what that message is. I can interpret it the best way I can, uh, having just been there and lived it for, for four years. But it is a little bit trickier, I think, when you're removed to know exactly what his intentions are. Um and like I told you, I really think his intentions are to make sure guys in the locker room are uncomfortable going into this week and then probably more so even into week two against Texas. He wants the guys to feel really uncomfortable, so they better put their best foot forward out there now because if they don't, they won't start against Texas. And then against Texas, that guy doesn't play well, the next guy's up, what have you. So uh, I don't necessarily view it as ever talking down, but I do think he wants to control the narrative with his own lock within his own locker room. And uh, I would imagine that's probably the approach when he takes to the podium. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps. 
in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I want to transition from Sabin. Uh, one of the changes we're going to see this upcoming season, we saw it last week, especially I watched the uh, Notre Dame Navy game is the clock. The clock now will yeah. run and run and run. No more stoppages um, after each play. What's your opinion on it? Cause I know college football fans are had strong opinions about this. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. I will last week. If you look <laughs> at, and granted it's a small sample size. Uh, it, it didn't, limit the exposure as much as I thought it would. Those that have talked, having run through simulations, if you will, they've said that it could limit about eight snaps per game, which is eight fewer exposures for the student athlete, uh, which means over the course of a 12-game season, that's 96 fewer exposures for the student athlete, which ultimately means you're basically playing a, a game less per year as far as the possibility of injury, um, as far as how long the games are going, I think 320 is the magic number. But I, there are a lot of ways where we're trying to accelerate uh, the game to a certain extent by limiting reviews, by shortening reviews, by having everything that they have at, at all the Power 5 conference offices. They have a command center, so they're trying to accelerate that process as well. Um, so I think all the moves, frankly, have been good for the game. I'm glad to see that the last two minutes are not impacted right. of both the <clears throat> second quarter and the fourth quarter, which is key. <clears throat> the clock will run as if it's an NFL game for the first 28 minutes of the half and then the first 28 minutes of the second half. But in the final two minutes, you don't have to worry as much about timeouts because in college football, you just have more mistakes. You have to burn timeouts because you have more guys on the field than you need or whatever the circumstances may be. So uh, I actually think it's a positive move uh, just to keep the game going and, and to limit the exposure that the players might have to injury over the course of a season. Yep, I agree. <clears throat> I just like that the game moves a little quicker as yeah. a viewer. Obviously, different story if you're a player. Give me, if you can here, as we as we get ready to really kick off the season, like I said, you'll be with Sean McDonough on North Carolina, South Carolina in, in this coming week. Give me a sleeper team who, not even national title contender, but a team you think maybe isn't getting enough publicity that could have a winning season and surprise some people. And give me, since you're a quarterback, give me a, a sleeper QB we should be keeping an eye on this season. Yeah, I love it. Uh, 
As far as a sleeper team, the one that I've kind of circled all off season has been Wisconsin. Um, they, for those that have watched Wisconsin, they've run a very similar style. They have an established culture of trying to establish the ground and pound and run the football. And you have traditional sets with two tight ends and two running backs with a fullback. And you just knock people off the ball. And you try to just wear people out at the line of scrimmage. It's harder to recruit to that personnel nowadays because high schools aren't really doing it as often. So what they did is they basically said, man, we, we got to scrap this this 1990s, early 2000s way of running offense. And they said, let's, let's go hire Luke Fickle, who did more with less at Cincinnati and developed players just like Wisconsin has. Wisconsin's <clears throat> never in the top 10 as far as recruiting rankings are concerned, but they have a culture of development where guys go there as three stars and they leave as first round picks. It's pretty remarkable. Well, that's exactly what Cincinnati did. I mean, Sauce Gardner is a perfect example. The guy might be a top corner in the league right now. And he was a two star that weighed 150 pounds and six, two that they just had to develop and, and get stronger and bigger and, and more athletic and all these other things. So that's what Luke fickle did for a long time. in Cincinnati made the playoffs with Cincinnati, which is truly remarkable. Now he takes over there and he brought, a guy named Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator in as well. Phil Longo was previously with Drake May at North Carolina, and they set all kinds of records last year. He did it at Ole Miss prior to that. The guy is just a phenomenal offensive mind. So they're kind of coming into a new age, and they remind me a little bit as far as the feel around the program to TCU last year. TCU had done something a certain way for 20 years under Gary Patterson. Well, in comes... Sonny Dykes injects some energy, injects some some excitement into the program, and boom, they're off and running and get to the national championship game. I'm not suggesting Wisconsin's gonna do that. It's a tougher right. it's a tougher <laughs> division, tougher, tougher conference. But I think they have the makings of a team that could really surprise this year. And uh you said you're a gambler. Yes. Uh eight and a half is the team total. They're gonna be favored in eleven games. The only one they're not. As of right now, and granted, things can change. I mean, a couple of them are coin flips. Iowa, Minnesota, a couple of those are coin flip games right now, according to the preseason look ahead by Vegas. The only game that they're a serious dog in is is the Ohio State game where they're a two-touchdown dog at home at night on NBC, uh, which Camp Randall will be rocking in that game. I'm not picking them to win that game, but I think right. that is one that, that could be a tough one on the schedule for Ohio State. And then as far as quarterbacks are concerned, it would be easy to point to some of the top guys, uh, Michael Penix at Washington, yeah. obviously, you know, Caleb Williams at, at USC, Drake May at North Carolina, but a guy that's kind of flying under the radar just a little bit is Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. And I'm not being a, I'm not trying to promote our own game here. I'm just, right. I'm just saying. So uh, just excuse the shameless plug. They now have a new offensive coordinator. Dow Logans is in. He was formerly of the Tennessee Titans, New York Jets, Chicago Bears, has been around the NFL, but spent the last couple of years with Arkansas. And they run a very college offense. And that's very, very good for Spencer. And now he has the college offense that he's comfortable in, but he also has some NFL-style passing concepts that will be beneficial to him. Now, remember, two years ago in 2021, Spencer Rattler was the face of college football. Uh, the top guy coming in, this was before Caleb Williams, this was before everybody else. He was the guy at Oklahoma. Well, he didn't play very well there. The first five games got replaced, transferred to South Carolina. It took a while to get comfortable, but the last three games he played his tail off. This guy has great, great, great arm talent, great physical ability. Now it's about just kind of putting it all together, and it could very well come to the forefront this year.
All right, Wisconsin, Spencer Rattler. I, I'm going to, in terms of gambling, I think I'm definitely going to be on Nebraska with Matt Rule there. You think Matt Rule, after his uh, stint in Carolina in the NFL, obviously he had great success at college, goes back to Nebraska, which has been just awful for so many years now. Uh, I mean, how do they not go anywhere but up with Matt Rule there? He's he's the man. And look, we, we can all talk about Carolina. I mean, he is he was a little bit, in a, in a tough spot there, naturally. Um, if you don't have a quarterback in the league, you can't win. <laughs> as simple as that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, I don't think, I don't think I'm, I'm breaking any news there. Um, so you look at that scenario as a difficult one, but if you look at what he's done in college, man, I mean, he's just unbelievable. Like at Temple, one win in his first season to double digit wins a couple of years later. At Baylor, one win his first season, they won the Big 12 the last uh, couple of years later. I mean, he is a builder. Uh, and he understands, I think, how to find the diamonds in the rough, how to develop. And NIL is massive for Nebraska. I mean, the support that the program receives is significant. Um, I still, there was a time in my life when I didn't think Nebraska would ever lose a game. You know, what I mean, <laughs> that was that was eight. But you know, I right. didn't think they were going to lose very many games there in the '90s. So uh, I think the ceiling is really high with Matt Rule in charge. I think they're going to recruit nationally. He's already proven that he can get guys to the league. And if if he can get guys to Lincoln and coach them up and get them in the program and develop them and also have a nice NIL war chest to work with, then I think the sky's the limit. So uh, I think they're this year, there's just a lot of transition this year. That's the only thing yeah. I'd say. And we're going to find out early. I mean, they play Minnesota. I mean, yeah. the first week of the season is a pretty good football team. So uh, if they can win some close games, which they couldn't do under Scott Frost, then I could see them breaking through and, and maybe getting to seven or eight this year. They don't even have to win that game, just lose by no more than seven because the line is seven and a half. So you didn't buy the hook? Yeah, you didn't buy it's the seven hook. It's seven and a huh? half. It, it's seven and a oh, half. Oh, perfect. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. good. Yeah. I thought it was seven. All right, perfect. What, can <laughs> you wager as a college football analyst? Is that off limits? What's what's? Are you allowed to do that? Or well, have some have it? partaken over the years. You could probably yeah. guess who. Well, um, I, I would have a difficult time with it. <laughs> if yeah. You want me to be honest? I, you just know too much sometimes. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't pick a winner. Like I do daily wager on ESPN. We have a college football pick them that you will you pick right. three games there's three any three that you like in the entire week I ended up doing really well last year i think we were like 63 percent, some crazy number That's i don't know it was, i felt good about it yeah but i was just sometimes i was just grasping at straws like, i'm not gonna try to sit here and tell you i'm a gambling expert i could speak the right. lingo but i don't know trends like bear felica or stanford yeah, steve yeah. or those guys that really live it uh i just watch the teams and i think this team matches up well hey i'll take them if oh it's seven Ooh, i don't know about that so um, I think it'd be really hard because I really just watch the teams more than I watch the lines, but um, I don't know if there's necessarily a rule against it by any stretch. All right. Well, that's good. Before we wrap it up, last thing I just wanted to ask you, you know, I, I didn't really plan on getting into it, but you mentioned at the at, er, much earlier about getting drafted by the Jets, being on the Jets. So you were there. What? So you were there. Rex Ryan was the coach. Yeah. Was Sanchez the quarterback? Sanchez was the quarterback. Yeah. And how many years were you there? I was there for two full seasons, and then I was there in camp in 2013. And was that the year they went to the AFC title game? No, I was the bad luck guy, Jimmy. I, they they okay. went to the AFC title game two years before I got there. Uh, I also missed hard knocks. So, I, you know, I got you there, know, and then everything went sideways. I was a bad culture guy, right? Um, but no, oh, you missed the let's go get a damn snack year. 
Oh, I still got the uh, let's go get an effing snack, but yeah. uh, it wasn't on HBO. Um, we still got it every every Saturday night oh, <laughs> so, <you did. laughs> with Rex, man. He was yeah. the best. And, and playing in New York, too. That was the best experience for me. And and being able to um, just be a professional. It was a dream come true to obviously play. But to play for the Jets, man, like that was one of my teams. Like I, that was just so cool to play for the Jets. Um, still am a Jets fan to this day. And that, that's not changing. Um, have now sent the Cowboys pack and my childhood team is gone. The Jets are now my team. And I'm cautiously optimistic with what could happen this year. Uh, but, you and every yeah, other Jet fan. Yeah, right. I'm about to say, but I feel like right. I've been optimistic before or only to be burned. But I, it, what was cool about living in, in Florham Park and living in Morristown was the access to the city. Uh, and then just realizing how important it was to everybody. I mean, everybody loved whether it's jets or giants and just the nfl and and just how important it was and how many people in the media were in our locker room interviewing us and i remember i went to cincinnati in 2013 after i finished with new york and i remember after the first practice i we walked in and there was media and there was like seven people there and i was like where's all all the media <laughs> like in new york we had a hundred yeah. credential media members in the locker room at all times yeah. so i think it was it was an important lesson um for me especially getting into this world and having having to formulate articulate opinions, um, and I put my foot in my mouth once with the Jets in in after the 2011 season. And, and Remind me of it. that, but, or I'll have to Google it. Yeah, well, I basically <laughs> said that, and remember, I was a rookie, and I I was talking to a radio station back in Alabama, and they asked, "Hey, well, so what's different about?" You know the NFL compared to college. I said, well, you know, it's really about individuals up here, and you know, guys don't necessarily always care about winning as long as they get theirs. And you know, it wasn't it wasn't meant as a um, it wasn't meant as like a slight. Like I loved my teammates, had great relationships with the guys, um, but it you know it got picked up, and the next thing you know, it's all over the news. It's all being discussed on first take and cold pizza, I think is what it was called at the time. And you know, I'm getting destroyed, you know, right. and, and a lot of Jets fans are like, thank you. Finally, we have a guy that said what, what needed to be said. And like, so it was a very weird place for me. And I felt awful, called all the leaders on the team, called Mangold, called Brick, you know, called, uh, you know, Jimmy Leonard, all these guys said, man, I'm just sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean anything by it. I was just basically saying that in the show, oh, you're, you're in, you're an individual contractor and right. in college, there's more of a collective, we're going to do this together type of approach because everybody was equal. So, but it, it was, it was a little tricky and it taught me, you always need to be mindful with the words you say, words matter. And you have to be thoughtful with every opinion that you have. You won't always be right, but you have to be thoughtful and understand that it can be interpreted in a million different ways. So it allowed me to better understand how the media works and how, you need to basically carry yourself as a member of the media. So that was that was really an an important lesson and one that I never want to have again, but was a really valuable one to to have to go through. Once you get through a New York media shitstorm, you can handle anything. Like <laughs> it that's was bad. It, right there. it was yeah. bad. Like I was like, I'm, I'm sure. Get, I remember like you know, and then next thing you know, like I got to go. We're back for OTAs there in 2012, and Tebow had just gotten there. Oh um, God! So it was like. Everything was on fire, you know, like and there was so yeah. much media coverage. Sure enough, first day OTAs, first day of media availability. Like, let's circle around McElroy and get clarity. Um, so that was kind of hard. Um, but 
it was it was a good it was a good learning experience. <laughs> and, um, the only the only thing I remember from T, Tim Tebow's time with the Jets was that famous image of him. I think it was on the back page of the Post, shirtless in the rain, like that's. Which, you know, I don't want to sit here and trash Tim Tebow, but when that's what people remember from your tenure, it's, it's a little rough, but. Well, I remember the, I remember, uh, I was actually doing an interview. We had some media there that day. We were up in Cortland and, and doing the, doing training camp. And I was talking to some folks and it was raining that day. And, and I could see Tim coming from a mile and it wasn't uncommon for him to, you know, take his shirt off and throw it. It was just, he, you know, it was hot and whatever. So it wasn't really uncommon at all, but I think that was maybe the first time that they had seen him do it. And I'm literally in the middle of answering a question and the camera just runs away from me and the reporter runs away from me as if like, and so I'm sitting there looking, you know, like that scene and, uh, or like that famous gif. Uh, where Carlton's standing in the living room, or Will Smith standing in the living room, you know, fresh print, and there's no furniture yeah. and there's no nothing. So that was me for a moment as Tim <laughs> ran by. So I remember that moment, uh, actually rather vividly. Uh, so I think I remember that moment pretty well as well. That's a, and then that was that famous back page. That's that's great. That's a great story. Maybe the I camera pretty, guy that was talking to me got the shot. I don't know. I don't yeah. know who got it. But oh, someone and, got it because that that image is still. I mean, if you Google. Tim Tebow in the rain. I'm sure it's, <laughs> it was a famous one. I appreciate you coming on and good luck uh, this season. Like I said, Greg will be part of ESPN's number two crew with Sean McDonough. They'll call a playoff game this year and they open the season North Carolina at South Carolina. Spencer Rattler will uh, be the quarterback there for the Gamecocks who Greg is high on and uh, Wisconsin is a sleeper team and a big season for Alabama, according to Greg. Love it. All right. Thanks, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Th thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate you, buddy. All right. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. 
Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Yep, I'm going to do a 3, 2, 1 and intro you and we'll, we'll get right. right into it. All right, here we go. 3, 2, all right, joining me now, very happy to have him here, We're doing something a little different. He is a comedian, has a Netflix special out right now, 37 and single, Jared Freed. Jared, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I want to I want to talk about the world of comedy and, and the world of being a stand-up comic. Before we do that, though, I know you're a big sports fan. Give me a little rundown, favorite sports, favorite teams. What do you, what do you follow closely? Always a football guy. I'm from outside of Boston, so I've always been like the Boston sports fan, Patriots, Celtics, Bruins, Red Sox. I would say the order is probably Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics, Bruins, Bruins way farther down the line. Um, As a Jew from Boston, we go BU hockey, probably over other hockey teams. Um, I, I went to Penn State. Penn State football came into my life. The my freshman year at college. So I wasn't like a, you know, I was the guy on the, you know, in the, in the student section kind of wondering why Joe pod never had a headset on. Like, how do you coach a team? You know, right. Right. What do you do it through vibes? You know? So it it was, um, that was kind of where I came into Penn state football. And then, um, and now I'm kind of, you know, I'm a fan who, you know, I think James Franklin's more of a, is a good t-shirt maker more than a coach. Yeah. Probably a better recruiter than he is a play caller. And then, um, you know, now my brother actually works for the Bears. So I've kind of migrated towards, you know, your family's in it. It right. changes things. So sure. I've become sure. a Bears fan. Um, and I, you know, love the Patriots. And I have like an era of the Patriots now that I kind of feel a familial relationship with more than the team now but i do keep an eye on them so so tell me as a comedian do you find belichick funny i find the the predicament he presents funny like i think he when he does his press conferences i think the position he's putting you know he he takes the offensive with reporters by being such a difficult interview so you really have to find I, I think it's just an interesting watch to see right. how people kind of figure him out. A lot of people who know him say he's funny. That's the word. Everyone said right. and, and not a lot of people. Everyone says yeah. it. like and I I think we, you can kind of tell what his comedy is. It must be a ball busting shit talking funny, you know, like yeah. that kind of guy in your ear that says the thing that you you, you kind of thought, but you know you shouldn't say. And he also has the power and gravitas to say those things, too. You right. trust his opinion on the the shit that he's talking, you know? Yeah. I saw a clip last week, in fact. It was an old clip. Someone on the Ravens, I think it was Derek Mason, was mm-hmm. talking trash to Belichick. And Belichick just told him to shut the fuck up. And then he goes, just look at the scoreboard, which is such a right. great 
savage line. Um, yeah, when you win and when you – that goes back to like the gravitas thing. Like when you win and you're considered a defensive genius, you know, you're – your word weighs more. You know, that's right. you know, that's like a stand-up comedy thing. You have to deserve to say the words that are bad sometimes. You can't just come out and say horrible things. So I would assume, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that you're constantly looking for things that are funny, looking for things to riff on, looking for things to maybe use. I, or- I, I, I guess I have to care about something. I have to know the person or the thing I'm talking about and care about it. Okay, because I'm wondering me. if you, when you watch sports, if mm. you're looking for the funny things, if you're looking for, you know, why is that guy, you know, scratching himself? Why is that fan yeah. doing this? What's go- Why is that guy wearing this? No, I, that- that's never worked mm. for me. It's more just like if I have, if I feel something for it, then I can go on it. You know, like I, I think, you know, the to me, like as a Patriots fan and someone who grew up with Tom Brady, like the idea of someone not liking Tom Brady to me, that's the most self-conscious, least confident person in the world. You know, like that I care about, like to me, like Tom Brady's story. If you just look at him as being like, Oh, married a supermodel and he's a list celebrity. That's not how the story went. You know, very little you've, you know, you've, Really, it's captured your insecurities. That, to me, is a more interesting thing. Well, most people, though, who don't like Tom Brady because he was so good. Right. He was good. And right. his story is an inspirational tale, if you really look at it. He wasn't the highly recruited guy. He, was, he had right. a split time with, you know, with Drew Henson as a senior. You know? So like right. the idea that he was this given everything, then you either know little about the story or don't care to know the whole story. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. Is there is there something from the sports world that you've seen recently that you did find funny or comic a, a person a thing anything have you have you anything from sports that cracks you up or that you have funny sort of I mean I don't know I I just on? right now I just think the beginning of college football is like. I'm just like so excited. Like, yeah, I, I think it's funny that the only reason people give money to their college football team is to keep the party going. You right. know, like that's the only that no one cares about their team. They care about that. Their friends will still leave the house on a Saturday and they have an excuse to tell their wife. And if Penn State is six and oh, that gets you out of the house quicker than if they're five and one. <laughs> Right. You know, I think that's Abs- a funny thing that people yeah. have to deal with. And you go, well, who's getting because you wonder who's giving money, who cares enough with how hard it is to make money, who cares enough to give an 18 year old kid these like, what do they call the uh, the NIL deals? You know, like yeah. that's coming from people, you know, that's coming from someone who owns a car dealership. What gets that car dealership guy <laughs> going? And it's that he's lonely. Right. <laughs> he's a lonely Basically. guy who wants people to hang out with him on a Saturday because I know it myself. When Penn State's seven and zero, that is an event. When Penn State's five and two, no one gives a shit. You yeah. know, so I think that's an interesting thing to me. It is amazing too. I mean, like there's not this drastic difference from seven and zero to five and two, but in college football, it's all the world of difference. That's it. That, um, it it's everything. I want to turn to comedy here for a sec. Sure. Uh, like I said, you have a Netflix special out. 37 and single. And one of the things I appreciated about it when I watched it over the weekend was I, I, I feel like now I'd love your perspective on, on 
how difficult it is to do stand up right now. But I do feel like anytime I watch stand up these days, the comedian inevitably likes to do a whole thing about cancel culture. You had a line right. in there. I think it was, it was a very quick thing, but I'm talking about where like, you know, there's, there's minutes and minutes and minutes devoted to cancel culture. And we all know cancel culture is it's out of control. And I, I can't even imagine there's probably no one more affected by it than comedians, but I've grown tired of hearing comedians talk about it. Is that an unfair critique from my standpoint? Or do you no, think it's completely fair? It's a lazy topic. Cancel That's culture. I, yeah. It's yeah. a lazy topic to me. I talk right. about it, how the, 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 the angle that I took in the special was that like, there's no, that it's unfair that, a Gen Z kid could cancel a millennial. And that's personal to me right. because, you know, millennials, uh, you know, I am a millennial. I was thinking like, what would get me canceled and nothing would get me canceled. You know, who cares enough about me? You know, like, and I don't, I don't know. I, to me, the whole cancel thing, it doesn't affect comedians to me. I disagree with that. I think um, if you're put your time and care into writing stuff, I think, it's a like it's a laziness that gets canceled, you know. Well, I do. There's such I, a I thing have... as a bad joke. There's such a thing as a, a as a joke that isn't. I've said the right. wrong thing too. But like, we live in the follower economy. We, you know, people can opt out, and then what you notice is that everyone that's been canceled, everyone seems to make more money after they've been canceled. I have sympathy for comedians from the standpoint of the, the the trend of like someone filming, you know, a 30 second snippet right in a comedy club, throw it on social media, it gets taken out of context. I mean, and there doesn't really even need to be context. I mean, you're at a comedy show, so right. Take it with a grain of salt. I, so from that standpoint is, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to have you on here trashing other comedians. That's not my intent. No, this like, isn't a trash thing. I just think like when no, people no. like good jokes win, if funny always right. wins. Right, like I, I no, because I was going to bring up. I remember the last Dave Chappelle special, who I'm a fan of, and I mm -hmm. enjoy, and I like, and I was just so disappointed because the whole special was about cancel culture and trans people, and it was like, well, okay, I get it if you want to do some of that stuff, but like, where, like, where's the opposite? Like, what I appreciated about your special, Thirty Seven and Single on Netflix, is the observational humor. I mean, right? I think I go back. I mean, I'm. I, to me, the greatest thing ever created is Eddie Murphy delirious. Mm -hmm. And I think about the ice cream man skit and I'm like, where is that stuff? It seems like that sort of faded out and the complaining is, is more, not you, right. you know, like I said, that that's sort of been my well, take I, for a little again, while. It goes, it goes back to personal, you know, like yeah. it's gotta be personal and it's got, you gotta care about it. I think like, you know, a lot of these cancel culture jokes turn into straw men arguments. Like I don't, most of the people haven't really met the person they're talking about, yeah. you know, when they say, you know, they just invented someone that someone can rail against. Like, it's really easy to invent a, a person that, you know, that your side is going to hate, you know, like it's right. an, it's it's kind of easy to just be like, oh, you know, this vegan in Brooklyn disagreed with me today. You go, OK, I have painted right. the picture for you. But have you really hung out with the Brooklyn vegan? I don't know. I, uh, right. that's why I, I, you know, I've made this promise to myself, you know, fairly recently. Like I'm doing right now on the road, I'm talking about going on vacation with my parents. I'm doing an hour about going on vacation with my parents. Which and just sounds horrific. It's exactly the, the, the trials and tribulations of going on vacation with your parents. And I think for me, it's a way into talking about the relationship between millennials and boomers, 
which right. is a very weird relationship. I'm still on my parents' cell phone plan. Again, me, true story, still on my parents' cell phone plan. And uh, the weird <laughs> that my generation is going to be the first one to do financially worse than their parents. So right. the weird the weird dynamic between a generation that's maybe too confident and another generation millennials that has no confidence at all. You know, so the and and I feel that in my relationship with my parents, who I love and love hanging out with and go on vacation with. So, and how we're kind of fi- financially tied, you know. And it's it's so I, for me, it's always about like, do I care? And it's like I do care about that. Like I do have stories that relate to that. Have you attempted to get off your parents' cell phone plan? No, I'm never getting off. Why would I? Do oh, you're that? never getting they, off. That's it. They We're ruined here. the money. You guys ruined the currency. So I'm going to stay on as long as possible. I'm surprised your parents don't say to you, "Hey, you have a Netflix special now. We know right. Netflix pays. We're getting off my plan." I listen. They, you know, the the excuse becomes, "Well, it's cheaper for us." Yeah, it's also cheaper right. for me to live right. in their basement. You know, right. so I don't really talk about that. But so you're you're on the plan for life. I listen. There is no world where I see myself pay. I don't even know what a cell phone bill looks like. I wouldn't even know how to do it. Unbelievable. You know, it is funny. I, I I don't know. Are you are you a Howard Stern guy at all? I used to. I had my moment with Stern. I you know I loved listening to him. Of course, you know. All yeah, yeah. Because I've always said. I mean, I've listened to him back from the K Rock days. Yeah. And I've always said my favorite Howard Stern stuff by far is the stuff with him and his parents, with his dad and his mom. And yeah. for you to say that, I know. For me, I mean, I get I. I'll, I'll post periodic videos of my dad on Instagram because he doesn't know how to use anything sure. in the world of technology. And the response I get is like overwhelming. That's what I'm talking about. I, I wish there was so much more of that stuff in comedy these days. So I'm so glad you said that because parents are just a, what's the expression? Treasure trove. Is that the expression? Right. Of, that, yeah. Of content these days. So give well, me like, at how do you parents special- handle... Go ahead, go ahead. Well, you saw at the end of the special in the credits, I had hidden cameras in the green room. So right. I put hidden cameras in the green room. So the idea for the special, I paid for the special myself. So the, the nature of, you know, media and what, where things are going these days, like I paid to make a special, Gramercy Theater. Um, the idea, I, I, I partnered uh, with Betches, the media uh, company that is huge female, you know, leaning, you know, uh, media company. And I do a podcast with them. So I was like, hey, do you guys want to be co-producers? I'll pay for it. If it sells, we'll go 50-50 on, you know, on whatever the money is. And if it doesn't, you guys will be partners to promote it for my YouTube page. That was kind of my business plan going in. So they were like, we're in. It's great. It ends up getting sold to Netflix. And we had this thing where I put hidden cameras in the green room and my parents um, the whole idea was it's called 37 and single. So I was going to have my parents like giving me shit, basically look, you know, being annoying five minutes before I went on stage. And then it would smash cut to me on stage going, I'm 37 and single. And you would get it all like you would understand. It didn't work as far as someone knew who didn't know me. I, I think there would be like, do we go back to the parents? Are the parents part of the whole thing? So we put it in the credits. So two days before. Um, and if you watch it, you can see. My mom literally walks into the green room at Gramercy Theater. Her opening line is, it's a dungeon in here. And it's like, this is five minutes before I'm going on stage. And it's like, wonderful. She's like, it's a dungeon in here. And two days before the special, we put out a trailer where they're in the trailer. My mom sees it. She's like, what is this? I go, 
yeah, there were hidden cameras in the green room. You're going to be on Netflix. And my mom was like, what? I didn't even do my hair. I had no idea. And it's like, because before that, we were talking, like, should we give them lines and tell them? I was like, if they have lines, they won't know. They won't do it well. Right. You You want them to be natural. Totally. So they walk yeah. in. My mom goes, it's a dungeon here. They're debating whether it's Christmas time or not. They're fighting about Katz's Deli, waiting in line. They were perfect. It was it was wonderful. And yeah. what it's become is like, for me, I you know now when I go on podcasts, it's the post-credit scene in the Marvel movie that promotes the next movie. Like, you go and see me on the road, you're going to see me talking about them and talking about our relationship, which is like been the greatest pleasure in the world to like and that's why comedians put out specials we want to walk away from the material like 37 and single was a snapshot of my life it's all true stories and things i felt and now i'm like i don't want to do those jokes forever i want to like let them be out there let them be anyone else's and let people connect to them and now i can do the new stuff right that's a jerry seinfeld thing right doesn't he do a show and then like it's he's done and it's all new material for his next go around i I think it was him but i could be wrong I, I think it's well it's most comedians just because yeah. you know i wish i wish it was like a musician where you could play the hits but there's right. very few comedians who have that right and it's like brian regan and like and you know jim gaffick can do you know can do hot pockets you know like <laughs> uh, i you know if you have a classic bit that people want to hear but mostly people want to hear like the new what's the new perspective what are you thinking on right how are your parents with because i i get this where my my mom likes to tell people I work at Sports Illustrated, right. which I don't I don't want to sound like a dick, but I hate that because then that person wants to talk about sports. And when I'm not working, the last thing I want to talk about is sports. So like the guy comes to fix the refrigerator and she tells him I work for Sports Illustrated. And it's, you know, how are your parents? Because I mean, if you're on Netflix, I, mean, I would assume your parents are bragging to their friends about that. Hearing your parents say what you do is nails on a chalkboard. There's nothing worse than hearing your mom say, well, he does some writing and it takes two hours. You lose control of the narrative. Like, that's what you're saying. Like, right. the narrative that you want to put out there is like, oh, I work in media. Um, you know, I, I so you, just like, you know, on a plane, what do you do? I'm in consulting. I always say right. consulting because consultants fly everywhere and everyone wants to know think they know what they do but no one wants to ask what do they do so it kind of like shuts down the conversation right uh comedian the the hard part about someone finding out you're a comedian is uh, either they think you're the biggest loser because they don't know you you know there's no such thing as a middle class comedian to a lot of people and you're either seinfeld or you're you know in destitute (laughs) and then and then the other thing is sometimes comedian offends people which is the weirdest thing in the world, especially men. Hey, I'm a comedian. Oh, you think you're funny? No, I don't think I'm funny. I actually think the opposite. I I, I want to out of this conversation. I mean, is that really so, a thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Men, men get a horribly... Men want to be the arbiters of funny, of comedy. They want to tell you what's funny. They want to tell you who right. they like. I have a female audience. I notice it more than most because I have a lot of women that like what I do. And come to my shows and are the best audience in the world. And they'll bring a boyfriend who thinks that I'm lying to their girlfriend or pandering. And then by the end of the show, they're like, oh, that was that's been the greatest pleasure of this special is that, you know, I have so many women that message me and they go, my boyfriend loved it. My husband loved it. My my father and I were laughing together. This is so many comedians, you know, get down the road of like that a lot of women aren't really fans of. They go, ah, this isn't my cup of tea. And what's been cool for me is that to get like, you know, couples and brothers, sisters, mamas, papas, all that to kind of come together and enjoy it together. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. In terms of the Netflix special, uh, like I said, again, it's called 37 and Single on Netflix, Jared Freed. How long did it take you to put that together? Uh, well, so it started, it's about a year and a half of touring, um, going on the road and testing out the material. And and then then you tape it in December. I spent the money. And then you go around February, March to try and, you know, bring it to all the places. And you hear no's from places. And then it got, I got the go ahead. You know, we'd been talking to Netflix from the beginning and then, they, you know, there was a lot of like, it's not a no yet. And then around uh, July, I got word that it would be coming out August 15th. And so when you, when you get the yes from Netflix, is that all time career highlight moment or it's have a, you had other things where you would it's consider? Been the best, it's been the best time of my life. It's been yeah. like, it's been like validating in a way that like I, I, I'm more comfortable on stage. I can tell my comedy is better for it. Um, I don't have, you know, you, uh, takes away a lot. Like I did the tonight show and like for my parents, that was like, and their friends, like that was a validating thing. Netflix right. was like an all encompassing, like, 
oh, you're like a real thing that like I can even feel it at shows. And maybe that's in my head, but it's it's really been great. But also you go very quickly from and you probably know this from like just being in the media world and knowing like we're always just trying to do we want to work. We want to have value. We want to have worth. And you go from I can't believe no one's going to buy my special to I can't believe anyone bought my special like very quickly. You're like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, I, right, I, right. I, I hope people enjoy it. And then so once this it, so it's on Netflix, how long do you get to enjoy that before you start thinking, OK, what do I got to do next? Because that seems like a lot of the business is always like you don't really get to enjoy things because it's always what's right. next. What do I got to do? You know, you get even if you have the most successful Netflix special of all time. Now right. what? Well, you better have new material because people want to see you on the road. So, like, I, you know, the minute I taped December 9th, I went on the road to Virginia Beach that weekend. I taped on a Thursday. Friday, I was flying to Virginia Beach to do shows for 40, 50 people. And I was working on the next joke, the new How many shows a month do you do, like, on average? Every night. Most Every night? uh, Pretty much every night, yeah. I've taken back a little bit. I go on stage. If I'm in New York three to four times a night, most nights... I don't, I've been doing it 13 years, really haven't, you know, like that's most stand up comics are, you know, you get this reputation of like that you're lazy or, you know, you wake up at whatever time. But like, especially nowadays, there's some of the hardest working people I know. Like, you have to be the writer, the producer, the, you know, the ads team, the, the marketing team. You got to put out your own clips. You got to, you know, you got to go out at night. It's the most physical art form. You have to leave the house. You can't do it unless you go on stage. Wow. I didn't really every night. That's wild. Yeah, um, the comedy cellar is like, you know, the mecca of comedy. Comedy cellar is yeah. like the best club in the world. And I'm lucky enough to be a part of that family. And it's been, you know, like tonight I'll take off to do my fantasy draft, but tomorrow I'll do two shows there. Now, when you do the fantasy draft, do you look for funny things going on there? Because I know when I did, I, I, I don't do fantasy anymore, but when I did, yeah. the ball busting was pretty epic with my friends. I know. I got a group that, the ball busting died down. You know, sometimes you ever like the group has gone too wide where I don't know people enough to like. Oh, yeah. That's why I don't. That's one of the reasons I don't do fantasy. So I've ranted about this so many times. I stopped doing fantasy like five or six years ago. It was the best decision I ever made in my life because I don't miss yeah. it. The only thing I liked and the only thing I miss is the draft. Once the draft was over, I was miserable. But right. the draft became all right. Two guys. We always did it in person for all these years. Then it That's was fun. That's what right. I wish we did. But then it became this guy moved to Chicago, so he's online. This guy has a wedding, so he has to auto draft. And this and it was like you know what? This was the only fun part. Now this is lost some luster, so I'm out. But yeah, the I days w- when I we were all together, it was hysterical. I wish we did that. You know, it's like a you know, it's like a high school group that was a New York City group. You know, like when you're in the city in that first few years, you got this like group of people that somehow got together and it, I ended up changing the name of my team to Netflix's Jared Freed. So that's fun for me. That's you know, great. Like, <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. good. So like that's shit good. like that, where I, I yeah. can kind of just do that without having to write to an email chain where one guy's like, Hey, what the fuck? You know, like yeah. I, you know, yeah. And so you have a podcast. Yes. The J Train podcast, which I was going to call my podcast that many, many years ago. All my friends call me J Train. Really? My last name is Trainer. Yours is Freed, so I feel yeah. like I have more of <laughs> a right to it than you. Yours makes more sense than mine. Yeah. yeah. Where do you? Yeah. Give me where. Where did J, Jared Freed get J Train? I mean, I'm it, Jimmy Trainer. 
Yours makes a lot of sense. I just never had a nickname. So I was like, what's the douchiest thing I could call myself? So it was like a self-invented nickname to like, Got it. you know, to kind of like poke fun at myself for being a huge douche. I, I, but then it became like the podcast and then, you know, J train, you know, yeah. and then people would actually be like, yo train. I'd be like, okay. And then, uh, you know, it's funny. Like the comedy seller has a band at the village underground room. They have four rooms and one of them has music too. And the band, uh, the guy on the keyboards, his name is Red. And one day he came up to me and he was like, you know, my, my na- no one knows this. My name is Jared. And I was like, that was the nickname the whole time. It was, ha- it was hiding in plain sight. I had no, I was like, Jared. Red, that's a great Red. nickname. What am I doing? I'm a loser. Yeah, I was that? never cool yeah. enough to have it. How'd you miss that? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah, because so, I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how we got trade train. Do you like podcasting? Do you find it? Fun. I love it. I love yeah. it. I enjoy it. I mean, I always lo- love talk radio. So when I was doing comedy, I was like, what's a way to like, you know, you got to get yourself in front of people. And no one was casting me. I, you know, the idea of being the friend in a sitcom, which is where a lot of comedians back in the day would go to, uh, you know, you could count the number of sitcoms on your right hand right now. So, right. You know, so the idea of like that being, you know, the traditional way of when I first started doing stand up 13 years ago, there was no traditional way. It's gone. So I love talk radio. I love sports radio. I loved EEI growing up. I loved, you know, all that stuff. And I was listening to podcasts and I was like, I want to start a podcast. I don't know what that's going to be. And then I started one. And at the end of it, I was like, here's my email. If you have any questions, let me know. And (laughs) People started writing in for advice. I, you know, what they saw was a guy in their twenties who was reasonable. I'm not extreme, you know, as far as like my comedy is not extreme. I don't come from an extreme place. I'm a, you know, kind of a. I'm gonna just give you an honest perspective that I hope is funny, and people started really trusting it as a place because to get advice from that their friends couldn't give them because when your friends give you advice, they lie to you. Uh, they they soften. They tell you what you want to hear. They make sure that you're their friend after you give the advice. So I would have comedians on and comedians have heard it all. You know, like comedians, nothing shocks them. There, there's, you know, they never, comedians never go, you did what? You know, they go, they just answer your questions. So it became a kind of a safe place to send your email. I wouldn't reveal the people who sent it in and I gained that trust over the years and then women started listening to podcasts and they started with like murder mystery. You know, that was what got women in. What, what was it called? Uh, with the scandal. Oh, what was it called? Serial? Serial. When serial started, women started listening to podcasts. And so then female, you know, hosted podcasts started. So then I would go on them as a guest and talk about what was going on in my life, which was dating. And so I had women start to come over to my podcast to get like the honest male perspective on dating and all that stuff. And over the years, they came to trust it more and more. And that's kind of where I am now. And as far as like talking about dating in an honest, open way. That's interesting about women sort of getting into podcasts based on the serial podcast just changing gears. it's such a cliche question i hate to even ask it but i i gotta ask who are your favorite comedians I, not now i, I mean inspire inspirations sure or, you know. kevin james sweat the small stuff i've watched that special thirty thousand times and i just love i like i was never like a you know george carlin is my god type of guy like i didn't have that 
uh, you know, stand-up was just another thing, you know, and I felt like when I got into it, I loved it. You know, I loved doing it, you know, but growing up, I know that Kevin James special, like just his physicality. I love that it was like, I mean, some of the bits still work, you know, like the, even without voicemails, you know, the, the number cadence, he does this joke about the number, you know, when you say the phone number, you give the cadence. It's like, I just love that special. I, and also the physicalness, like I want, that's like my goal is like, you know, with jokes, Chris Rock, I heard a quote from him where it's like, you, you say the words and then you perform it. And if the words are funny, then you can perform it. Like that's, and I really believe in that. Like once yeah. you get the words down, then you can really like turn it into a three dimensional thing. And that's what separates to me, like a, a like a rock and standup show from like a, you know, kind of spoken word poet. How before? How has the feedback been on the Netflix special? How is it? Does it? Does it work? I'm just so curious about the business. Does it work where like a lot of people watch it? Netflix comes to you and says, "Okay, let's do another special, and maybe this one you don't have to pay for, which would be nice." Like, how does? I wish I. I wish I knew. You know, Mm -hmm. as you know, this stuff changes every day. It seems like you know the the nature of how things work. I they basically I was told after a month I'd get an idea of how it did. It was in the top 10 in Canada. It was six for the week in the U S it was like seven and eight and then nine for a week. But I didn't get the week top 10 because suits, they, you know, counts twice for two different seasons. And you know, this is me sounding like I, my girlfriend goes to another high school. I know this, how how this sounds. Yeah. 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 But, um, I, you know, I, from what I'm told, that is better than they generally do is to yep. stay in the top 10 is like a big deal. So I'm happy. I'm just like, you know, again, if my live dates, I, I'm adding shows in a bunch of cities, which is fun. And I hope my podcast is going up. And, you know, there again, like I comedians are now this whole, you know, it's a lot of jobs that make up one name. So. I hope it helps everything. You know, I want my right. podcast to go up. I want my live dates to go up. I want, you know, the you know the TikTok and the Instagram. Like, I do so many different things. I yell at The Bachelor, you know, on TV. Like, right. I love doing those things. I like being funny in a lot of different ways. So I hope it helps everything. So, it, it so tell everyone, tell everyone. Obviously, like we said, Jared's specials on Netflix, thirty-seven and single. He has the podcast J Train. And if people want to go see you do stand up, where can they find like the dates and the venues? I'm sure you have a website. Jaredfreed.com. I'm coming to I'm coming to Providence. I'm coming to Atlanta. I'm coming to uh, Huntington, Long Island. I'm coming to Philly, DC, Boston, Chicago. Um I got, you know, Phoenix, all that stuff. Jaredfreed.com, Portland, Oregon. I, I go everywhere. Like I like touring. So I've I've been on the road for a long time just leading into this special and you know, for me, I just want it to be like, I want the houses to be packed, you know? So, but I really appreciate you having me on. This has been a lot of fun. My pleasure. Appreciate you coming on. Good luck with everything. And like I said, it's uh, 37 and single on Netflix, Jared Freed. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. All right. Take care. All right. My thanks to Greg McElroy and Jared Freed. Appreciate them coming on. If you missed recent episodes, Charles Barkley was on the podcast last week. First time ever on SI Media with Jimmy Trainer, And I will go in depth about Charles being on next week. Feedback was tremendous. Peter Schrager, Chris Russo was on, were on in recent weeks as well. So go into the archives, check those out. Subscribe to SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. Leave a review. I'll read them next week when Sal gets back. And uh, that's it. Enjoy Labor Day. The NFL is here. 
and we'll see you next week. Stay safe and take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.